Welcome to the Regulation Asia podcast, where we talk to key industry figures and discuss all things regulation and compliance across Asia Pacific. I'm Nick Wakefield, co-founder of Regulation Asia, and I'm here with my co-host and fellow co-founder, Brad McLean. So this is our first podcast. How does it feel to be finally working on a podcast series? Uh, I think a little bit nerve-wracking, but exciting at the same time. I'm very happy with the first discussion with Bujin Tan from SGX Redco. Uh, but yeah, nerve-wracking at the same time. It's always hard to be doing something new. A little background first for those who are coming to Regulation Asia for the first time. We set the business up in 2013. Our goal is to track and analyze regulatory change taking place globally that impacts financial services firms across Asia Pacific. We have a team of on-the-ground reporters across the region and we couple that with our tracking and sourcing service. Over 10,000 people are subscribing to and reading Regulation Asia daily and we couple our website news service with webinars, events, content and research. You can find out more about us at www.regulationasia.com. Now, given the nature of the topic we cover, we do tend to have a very serious tone with our output. But the great thing about podcasts is it perhaps brings a more personal element to the business of regulation and compliance. And I guess during COVID times, that is perhaps missing at the moment as we're all cooped up at home. So we'll be looking to interview key figures driving forward the regulatory agenda across APAC and beyond. And we obviously welcome any suggestions you might have for future podcasts. You can email us at podcast at regulationasia.com with suggestions, ideas for people that perhaps we could speak to or topics that we could cover. So we're delighted to be hosting the first of the podcasts in partnership with SGX. This is a special series of three podcasts speaking with key executives at the exchange. On May the 7th, SGX will be hosting their annual regulatory symposium. And with our first podcast, we'll be talking to Boon Jin Tan, CEO of SGX Redco. We'll have that interview with Boon Jin in a second. But Brad, what were some of the interesting points we can look out for in your chat? Now, what did we find interesting? Well, there are lots of things that we covered in the discussion and we will over the next couple of podcasts. But, you know, first of all, the focus on SPACs, you know, the SGX had consulted on this around a decade ago. So it's interesting to see they're going back to that discussion to see if there's a new trends. But more importantly, sustainability uh, and the focus. Uh, and I guess more importantly, the unique positioning of Singapore uh, in this sustainability discussions. But also, you know, we delve into, you know, Boon Jin's kind of early career um, and how this really impacted his, uh, his career so far and, and the mentors he's had along the way. Great. So let's get to it. Here's the first of our conversations. Boon Jin Tan, CEO of SGX Redco. Our guest today joined the SGX as Chief Regulatory Officer on the 15th of June 2015. He now leads SGX Redco, uh, an independent regulatory subsidiary of the SGX, which undertakes all of the frontline regulatory functions to promote a fair, orderly and independent markets. Now, before he joined the SGX, he was the Director of the Commercial Affairs Department of the Singapore Police Prior to this, he'd also held several appointments with the MAS, you know, as the Director of Enforcements Division, the Corporate Finance Division, uh, and even the Executive Director of the Investment Intermediaries Department. So he's a, an advocate, a solicitor. He holds degrees from the University of Cambridge and Harvard Law School. Uh, 
I'd love to welcome Bunjin Tan, CEO of SGX Redco. Bunjin, welcome. Very excited to have you with us here today. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me. Now, we've just gone through your background. It's amazing background. Before we jump into the latest developments with the SGX Redco, I'd like to delve in a little bit more on your, your personal background and uh, you know your career, where, where you started. Uh, as a starting point, can you tell us a little bit more about your formative years growing up? Did you know early on what you really wanted to do? Wow, Brad, that's really taking me back many years to my youth. You know, I lived in a rough neighborhood growing up, and my neighbors always seemed to be having some kind of trouble with the law. I don't mean criminal law necessarily. It could be family law or bankruptcy law. But at some point, I decided, you know, whatever it is that I'm going to do, one thing is clear to me. I don't ever want to be afraid of the law. And that's how I ended up studying law. And as you pointed out in your kind introduction, you know, all the jobs they have done, they all have uh, some sort of legal element to them. So yes, uh, it's been a big influence on my career. Now, you've mentioned trouble with the law and how you'd like to avoid it. Did you have any particular role models or mentors that either inspired you or, or helped shape your career? I would rather focus on qualities rather than personalities. So I would say the vision, the conviction and the willpower demonstrated by our founding fathers of Singapore like uh, LKY and his able lieutenants. I mean, seriously, back then, we had no right to compete, let alone win. But here we are, one of the leading financial centres in the world. I think that's uh, really remarkable. I mean, your career has seen you know, the rise and rise of Singapore and yourself, your career has straddled both public and private sectors. Uh, was the tra- has the transition for yourself going between public and private been difficult? Any particular challenges that you faced? I think I've been very lucky in the transition because this job really is a good blend between the public sector and the private sector. It combines the breadth of the public sector with the speed of the private sector. So I can do policy, I can do transactions. So take uh, privatizations as an example. I can deal with it as a transaction to make sure that the rules are being followed. But I can also then learning from the transactions, formulate policy to better protect minority shareholders. So it's been really great. Okay, so then let's look at how your your your, your impact of your early career, as we mentioned, you've worked across both public and private, you've worked in law enforcement. Has this impacted your, your approach or your influence, your, your approach towards uh your regulatory approach, I should say, at, at SGX Redco. Coming back to my neighbours who always seem to be having some trouble with the law, I think they were afraid of the law because they didn't understand it. I feel the law should be accessible in the same way that I feel that regulation should be accessible. So I try to explain as much as possible through regulators' columns, listing decisions, speeches, interviews. We publish a lot more now to explain our thought process and to provide as much uh, guidance and transparency as we can in our decision-making to make uh, regulation as accessible as possible. Now, you mentioned making it accessible. What's been the impact so far of making you know all of this coverage and, and the developments more and more accessible? I think it's been very positive. By being more transparent, people understand the reasoning behind what we do, and this encourages following the spirit rather than the letter of the law. And this leads to better outcomes 
And this is something that we have been emphasizing uh, a lot, the spirit over the letter of the law. It's interesting how you talk about the spirit and the letter of the law. I mean, from your perspective, what's keeping you awake at night? Well, it changes from time to time, but what keeps me up at night now is renewal. We have good people in the organization now, but the competition for talent is intense. And for regulators like us, we are competing against the top law firms, the top accounting firms, the top financial institutions. We're looking for people who can do both policy and transaction work. I suppose in sports, you can call them uh, two-way players, you know, players who can play offense, players who can play defense. You know, we really need good people like that. Okay, so for you, the, the core challenge with renewal is, is just that the people, uh, finding the right people in the right roles, is that right? I think it's a big deal actually, not just in our organization, but in the entire listed space. I think boards of listed companies need to be thinking about uh, renewal and succession planning as well to make sure that they have the diversity, not just in terms of gender, but also in terms of age and skill. You know, we have something called the nine-year rule uh, that's kicking in next year. So when independent directors hit the nine-year mark, they will no longer automatically be considered independent. I hope that the uh, nominating committees or boards well, we'll use this as an opportunity for renewal. It's interesting how you mentioned that you, you're often challenged, I guess, uh, to, when looking for the right people by, you know, the, the top law, law firms. I mean, you know, all of the world's largest law firms have an office uh, in Singapore uh, and doing a significant amount of business there. Amongst other words, uh, rewards, though, Redco has also been recognised by Regulation Asia as the exchange of the year three years, three times in a row, which this was a, a very fiercely competitive category. However, simultaneously, SGX as an exchange has also struggled with dwindling listings and an overall shrinking market cap. Uh, what do you see are the major issues driving these challenges? And how is this, I guess, impacting XGX's plans for the future? Well, it certainly makes us do some soul searching. The first question we have to ask ourselves is, is our own house in order? So we've done a lot of work to make sure that investors can trust what they see on their trading screens, to make sure that shareholders can trust what companies are announcing, and, make, and to make sure that you know, our market professionals can rely on each other. The second question then we need to ask is, is this saying something about our IPO process? So we have taken steps to streamline our listing process and at the same time, make improvements to IPO due diligence. And finally, we need to ask ourselves, is this telling us that we need more alternative listing vehicles? And that's why we are consulting on SPECs, Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. So, from your perspective, do you have all of uh, the, the house in order? I think we are doing a much better job now. Awards like yours certainly help to validate this. Uh, the big difference is that you know we are now taking a much more calibrated and targeted approach to regulation to make sure that you know we are tackling the root cause surgically and not uh, impacting everyone too much across the board. Now, I just wanted to jump back to, to the issue of renewal. You know, you've previously mentioned the focus and importance of, Red, of Redco's work on jobs and job creations. Uh, job creation, I should say. Can you, you know, tell me a little bit more why this is important to you? In order for companies to grow and create jobs, they need capital. Now, this capital can come from banks. It can come from the private markets in the form of private equity, or it can come from public markets like ours. But I think that public markets like us occupy a unique space because we provide patient passive equity capital. 
Now you can borrow from banks, but that's that, not equity. And there can be consequences on your balance sheet. You can tap on private equity, but private equity has limited time horizons and it may not be passive. Public markets is where you find patient passive equity capital. That's our unique space to meet companies' funding needs, to grow, create jobs and new opportunities. Wonderful. Now, I understand in May you have the big regulatory symposium. Could you walk us through you know, what is the, the symposium and what are the key trends or key, key talking points that are on the agenda this year? It all comes back to what I said earlier about the IPO process and alternative listing vehicles. What we lack today on SGX is growth companies, tech companies. We need to be more competitive in this space. And to do that, we need to build a critical mass, a core of growth companies, tech companies. And the feedback we've been getting is that an Asian spec would be interesting because there are many target companies here in Asia. Growth companies, tech companies, whose core business is here in Asia. So we are consulting on a spec framework that provides an alternative to the IPO process, an alternative listing vehicle for growth companies whose core business is here. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about at a symposium. Uh, the second thing that we're going to talk about is sustainability. And there, I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is there's a gap between what companies are producing in terms of sustainability information and what investors want. There's a lot of debate about harmonization and comparability of information because there are so many reporting uh, formats out there. But fundamentally, we need to accept that sustainability information is not easy to consume. I mean, try reading the sustainability report of a leading global company. It's really a lot of information to process. So bridging the gap is not just about harmonizing information. It's also about making the information more consumer-friendly. So second, we really need to prioritize. If the consensus is that climate is the most urgent thing right now, then we need to focus on climate. And finally, we need to translate this climate information into something that's actionable for investors now. I mean, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be enough to start the process of allocating capital to focus on climate goals. Now, I just want to touch on points two and three. Let's assume that the consensus is that the environment uh, and sustainability is the focus. Uh, and then, you know, that we're going to do this through the, the asset owners and the markets. Is the industry reacting fast enough and going far enough? From your perspective, how are the SGX and Singapore looking to add value or lead issues on when it comes to sustainability? I think what we're really hearing from the market is that investors want more climate information and that's consistent with what we've been seeing internationally as well. The Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures has done some really good work that's generally accepted by the major standard-setting bodies. So by way of preview, we are going to review our sustainability reporting rules soon and you can expect to see a lot more focus on climate-related disclosures. Wonderful. And there you have, uh, have it. Hopefully everyone has found today's discussion useful. Uh, again, Bunjin, thank you very much for, for joining thank us you. today. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to speaking to you again very shortly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I do encourage everyone to, to join the regulatory symposium on the 7th of May. We look forward to speaking with everyone again very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brett. That's it for this episode. 
So SGX will be hosting their annual regulatory symposium on the 7th of May. The SGX regulatory symposium is an annual exchange of ideas among participants in Singapore's capital markets, where different stakeholders share their perspective on the regulatory landscape in Singapore. You can find out more about the event in the show notes. On the next podcast, we'll be chatting to Mr. Chu Chin Yi, Head of Regulatory Development and Policy and Enforcement at SGX Regco. We'll be talking about enforcement and whistleblowing. Show notes on our website will be at regulationasia.com forward slash podcast. I would like to thank the SGX for partnering with us and producing this special series. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your streaming service of choice, whatever that might be. And any comments, suggestions, guests we should interview, please do send us an email to podcast at regulationasia.com. For now, though, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.